this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net once more another edition of the education show and i'm joined today by a special guest been looking forward to this one because Man, just talking to him, you're going to get that energy. You're going to feel exactly uh, what I feel when I when I chat to him and having been introduced to him. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Warrior Rick. Hello, Warrior Rick. May I, may I call you Rick? You, you most certainly can. Why? Is Warrior too much? It's like Warrior Nick, you know. <laughs> warrior Rick, right? No, it is. And, and you're not that kind of a, a warrior. It's, it's uh, spelt W A. R-R-I-O-R, not uh, like I do a lot, W-O-R-R. Oh, no, absolutely. It is the antithesis of a warrior. I am a warrior. A warrior sits back and and lets fear succumb them and doubt succumb them. I'm welcoming challenges, my friend. I'm a warrior uh, because I'm fighting against spiritual wickedness. So I'm out there in the front line uh, with other soldiers like yourself to make change. Fantastic stuff. Now... Warrior Rick, before we, we, we dive into to what you do and why you do it, give me a bit of your, your background, your history, and, and what led you up to where you are today? Well, I am a product of the United States of America. I was born in Berkeley, California, which is the same neighborhood as our Vice President Kamala Harris there in the United States. Um, and we grew up during the same time in the uh, middle to late 60s as children and into the 70s and 80s. So we had a, a wonderful liberal upbringing with a big open sky to be whoever we wanted to be. And Berkeley is what I call the, the Birkenstocks and granola of, of, of the world. So and it's still the same, still very much an open uh, and very liberal and progressive uh, society there. Uh, my parents were from Panama, so I'm a first uh, generation American. And uh, I grew up in the Catholic uh, schools, uh, elementary school, St. Joseph's, high school, St. Mary's, an all-boys uh, uh, Lasallian Christian school, and uh, graduated in 1983 before I went off to Stanford University, also in the same uh, Bay Area. It's actually the rival school to Berkeley, UC Berkeley, um, and the private school. And uh, in my senior year, I decided to become an entrepreneur immediately, studied international uh, relations, um, but in my senior year, I became a fashion designer. So I started designing and manufacturing leather uh, and uh, distributing it throughout the United States, almost like uh, Tupperware parties, just doing small parties for ladies and, and distributing leather and also to, to universities as well at that time. But fast forward to uh, picking up on the fashion side after about three years in the market crashes of 1989, I became a model and I started fashion modeling and making money around the world without a gun. So it was a lot of fun and, and enjoyed uh, traveling to Europe and Latin America and throughout the United States. And something happened in Italy back in uh, 1993, where a, an agency picked me up from South Africa and said I would do well in, uh, in South Africa. And I had studied South Africa in Stanford, so I was very curious and very eager to come here, even though I knew it would be challenging. I landed at Jan Smuts Airport in March of 1994. Um, before the new dispensation and the so-called tumultuous change that we were to expect, and uh, met my wife. Met my wife here, and four children and two grandchildren later, I'm still here living in beautiful Boxburg on the East Rand. Oh, Boxburg by the sea. Okay, I know exactly where <laughs> that is. <laughs> I, I, I... 
I'm a Benoni born and bred boy. So, you know, we, we were literally next door neighbors. We, we, we are from the triple B, David. That's Brockpon, Benoni, Boxburg. And don't let the B in Bedfordview fool you. They weren't from there. There was no Bedfordview. There was first Brockpon, Benoni, and Boxburg. Yep, and we are the OGs in that sense. Uh, Warrior Rick, okay. So, so you got here, you landed, you've, you've done some amazing stuff. Um, but, you know, yes, you landed here um, due to a modeling contract. Uh, you picked, should we just say, a very interesting time to land here because, you know, everybody was, was expecting the great civil war and all sorts of things were going to happen here. And uh, it kind of went smoothly and... Everybody was pulling together. We were expecting amazing things. We'd labeled ourselves the Rainbow Nation. And then the crowd went home. Uh, what, what made you stick around? Well, I think first and foremost uh, was family, no doubt. Um, being a young uh, father and, and wanting to start out um, a career uh, in branding and marketing uh, in, in, in South Africa, um, you know, I had a lot at stake. I had a lot at stake in terms of uh, the move and in terms of proving to myself and to my family that I could make it here. So I think in those first years, I was also, um, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, ready uh, to pioneer new territory. And I did it in, under the auspices of, you know, Nelson Mandela and his dream and his vision. So I followed suit with that vision of, as you say, a rainbow nation a nation that um, would be starting a new democracy. I came from an old democracy and the experiment that the Americans talk about um, wasn't just for America. It was for uh, new nations like South Africa. And I think we were probably best positioned here in South Africa to demonstrate what a democracy is. So I stuck it out because of a dream and because of a vision. Um, and I'm still sticking out for that same dream and that same vision. Although, as you know, things have changed dramatically over the last 10 years, the first 10 years, relatively smoothly, as you, as you, as you say, with its challenges. Um, but I think it's been the last 10 years that have been the most frustrating. Absolutely. Now, part of what you do, and, and, and I'm assuming this is where the warrior uh, uh, sort of name comes from, is you're involved with the warrior race. Correct. Correct. So that's where it all started in 2013. Uh, a gentleman who will tell you he's from Centurion, but he's actually from Brakpan. You see, they do that, eh? I want to claim <laughs> these claim these wide open spaces that that were simply farm towns, but they're from Brakpan. Okay, so P Peter Swart, hats off to you, brother, for founding and starting the Warrior Race. Uh, he picked up on um, uh, military boot camp recreational activities that were happening in the states with Spartan and Tough Mudder back in uh, 2010. And, and he, was a, he, was a, he was a pioneer. He came up with this idea that folks would want to get out and challenge themselves, not only mentally and spiritually, but physically. Um, and it attracted uh, cancer survivors. It, it attracted obese uh, folks. It attracted uh, people from all walks of life, and especially young people who wanted to demonstrate that they may not be good at cricket or rugby or soccer, but they could actually uh, do these massive jungle gym sort of obstacles that you find in military boot camps. Uh, and because it's no longer obligatory in South Africa, um, you know, since 1992, it was an opportunity for, for young ones, even teenagers who otherwise would have perhaps gone into military service uh, to demonstrate their will and determination to get through obstacles. And so at the, at the front line with my microphone and, and, and doing something that I've always loved, and that's 
you know, helping people to get through challenges and and being a leader and being, you know, the captain of my American football team back in high school. I had fond memories of of just, you know, being that leader, not the best on the team, not the fastest, not the strongest, but certainly with a spirit and a mind that says if we do this together, we can get through it. And that's what spawned the warrior race and spawned the name Warrior Rick. Fantastic. And, and, and what a great story. I mean, from, from what I've seen in, uh, of you, um, I can understand the modeling aspect of it and certainly the fitness aspect as well. Are you still very much into that and, and into to fitness? Have you explored any of the fitness world any further? Absolutely. And, and, it, and it has everything to do with uh, the folks who attended warrior races. So, um, I mean, I started with the warrior race in my late 40s. I mean, as part of uh, uh, you know, as part of one of the, the staff members and as part of the community of warriors, you know, my job was uh, to really just send them off. But, you know, very quickly, I had many soldiers coming up to me. I call them soldiers, warriors. Uh, and, and, and what they would do is they'd come up to me and they'd say, you know, you're awesome at what you do, but have you ever done the race? And, you know, as a motivational speaker and an inspirer of so many people, I speak that, that language of walking the talk. And so very quickly in the second year in 2014, I started uh, to do the race myself. I started to get involved on a Friday. I called it a warrior Rick Connaissance. And I would, uh, for charity, have uh, groups of folks come out with me and, and almost test the course and get a feel for the course uh, beforehand. Um, it put me in check in terms of my own fitness um, at that time. And I started doing more running. I started running marathons. I've done uh, two oceans. Uh, and, and many local races, five marathons and two ultra marathons to my credit. And, and what happened was I just started to get more involved with the, the, the fitness community and CrossFit uh, runners. And I just love the spirit. Uh, for me, it wasn't about just the elite uh, warriors or the elite runners or the elite CrossFitters. It, it was really about um, seeing the transformation. And that's what built my brand. My brand is all about inspiration, which is a spirit, motivation, which is the action, and transformation, which is obviously the ultimate goal, is to be better than the day before. And I saw that with myself. I saw that with my colleagues. And as I worked with fellow warriors, I began to see that this country and the world needed more people who were willing to go through the fire to be as pure gold. And that's where transformation as part of my brand became so critical. And I began to look at the various audiences in, in the corporate world, in faith-based organizations, and with schools uh, in order to help them be the best version of themselves. Which leads me very nicely to my next question. How then did you decide to get involved with youth? Or has youth always been a, a passion of yours? I mean, this is the education show. It's brought to you by Zabuza.net. And what we do and try and do as part of the show is, is talk to our Zabuza.net community, which consists of educators. It consists of the students and the learners and people that are associated with it. So I'd be very interested to hear your story about why your involvement with our young people. David, it was 2016. And I'll never forget that time period uh, where we were at the height of corruption and deceit um, in South Africa with, with Jacob Zuma and his administration. Um, and there was just this um, complacency uh, that became complicitous amongst uh, citizens and including myself here in South Africa and allowing uh, sort of the, the madness to continue without being focused on, on how we could make South Africa better. 
And at the same time, uh, right at the same time, we had Donald Trump uh, campaigning uh, for the presidency uh, in the United States. And I knew who Donald Trump was. And I just thought there's no way that this person is going to become president of the United States based on people saying he speaks his mind or that we need to build business. And he's, you know, a businessman. Well, you know, he'd been bankrupt several times and he'd inherited uh, his money from his father. So it didn't, to me, seem to be someone who could speak on behalf of, of how businesses should be run. And so I think it was at that time where I recognized that it was important for me to go back to some of the books that I had read, um, like Robin Sharma's book, uh, Leading Without a Title, um, and looking at personal mastery and understanding the importance of leadership and what that meant and, and how it is the antithesis of being a boss or having a title or speaking your mind. And I began to recognize where I could make the biggest difference. I couldn't vote in South Africa. And I was very uh, disappointed looking back um, after voting now uh, in 2020 in the elections in the United States. Um, I looked back at 2016 and said, you know, I didn't vote at that time. Who am I uh, to criticize and to have critical arguments against uh, a Donald Trump or the administration when I didn't even uh, place my vote? And that's when I recognized that democracy is so critical uh, in our future and to be uh, progressive, to go forward, to progress, meant that I needed to participate more right here as an expat in South Africa. And that's when I began to knock on doors. I started knocking on the doors of high schools, primary schools. I spoke to headmasters and students, my own children. And I asked them, will you allow me to engage the children, uh, the youth, the future of leadership um, so that I can help make a difference uh, because I believe leaders create leaders. And fortunately, David, I got invitations from day one and after 250 schools, uh, high schools, uh, universities, elementary schools across this beautiful country we call South Africa, I've been able to extend my brand of warriorship, of overcoming challenges, of, of, of welcoming challenges in order for us to be better human beings. Which you're talking my language here. I mean, we could almost say you're preaching to the choir here, but this is one of the things that's kept me going for so long because, you know, when things started to go bad, um, or worse, let's put it that way, uh, in our country, in South Africa, um, so many of the people that I knew, acquaintances, friends even, were like, okay, well, that's it. The country's going to hell in the handbasket. We're out of here. And I said to him, but, but how? Because if you leave, you're just admitting defeat. Um, it's the people that stay. It's the people that love this country, this South Africa of ours, that are prepared to stand up and it's across the board and say, hey, hang on, guys, really. And, you know, I, I don't think you can you can claim to be an African or a South African um, if you're not prepared to stand up and, and be counted. But we did end up in this, this place of complacency. But Warrior Rick, over the last little while, and, and you mentioned uh, the Donald Trump fiasco with the orange man and, uh, um, you know, things like that, there seems to have been a shift, almost a, a, a global shift, dare I say, where, where people are suddenly starting to say, but hang on now, you know, democracy is a great word. 
Um, but it's it's all about uh, democracy in action. We've seen cracks in the American democracy because for so long America stood and pointed fingers at us as as the bad people. Um, we've seen that there's a lot of stuff in our country which has just been wallpapered over. Um, <coughs> we're talking patriarchal systems. We're talking abuse against uh, women and children. Um, there's there's so much. Where do we start? And 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 am I correct in assuming these things? I'm getting goosebumps, which are simply just a physical manifestation of the spirit. Um, you're absolutely right, uh, David. I think you know you and I are both in the choir, and we're both we're both preaching to each other. Um, and I hope those listening on this program can recognize that energy does matter, that intentions matter, uh, what you write matters, and certainly your voice matters. Uh, and and this is where um, you know, it all started for me in 2016 as I began to speak my voice to power uh, and doing it appropriately to primary schools, high schools and universities. I recognized my gift. I recognized that my gift was to shine. You're probably familiar with Marion Williamson's poem that our deepest fear is not darkness, but it's the light. And Nelson Mandela made that poem um, popular uh, and it sticks with me to this day, especially when I speak to the youth because all too often we allow bullies uh, to dictate who we are. Uh, the, the old adage of um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. A bully must have said that first and coined that phrase because it allowed them to perpetuate trauma and perpetuate abuse. And that's what I found uh, both in the United States and in South Africa with our leaders. They took a bullying tactic that says we have written democracy on the pages of the constitution. We have instituted capitalism. So, and because we also have gunpowder, we will dictate to you, our subjects, how you will behave. And folks like you and me, David, would, would then say, but hold on a second, our education, we are fortunate enough to get to read, to, to have a critical mind, taught us that we the people included us that when we say we the people and when we talk about a more perfect union, it means that we're not perfect, but that we strive for perfection, that we constantly work hard to be better than the day before. Uh, and in that, what I found was that our voices weren't being heard, that we were actually following uh, folks with titles. We were following um, big government and, and soon you know, after you know, big tech and not actually being critical of how we're behaving. I mean, the biggest distractions that we have today, I mean, we talked about living in an over-communicated society, um, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and as we moved into the 90s, it became, you know, we're this bombardment of advertising. And in the onset of the internet in the early 90s, we saw that the weapons of mass distraction, you know, were social media um, on top of what we were getting from television, radio, and billboards. And, and the, the brainwashing mechanisms that existed created what we saw on the 6th of January. It caused an overflow of folks that were perpetuating this we the people mentality that, in, that was not intended for all of the people. And, and that's where, uh, for me, the problem lied. It lied in 200 plus years ago with the intentions of the founding fathers who wrote in the democracy that when they said we the people, they were talking about a patriarchal society that only looked at the white noble new class of the new world. It didn't consider um, white farmers. It didn't consider uh, slaves. It didn't consider uh, Native Americans who were pushed out of their land. And that perpetuated right into South Africa. 
that same behavior of white privilege and white supremacy is something that has created a division that now in that chasm, we're recognizing folks saying, wait a minute, this is built on a premise that is fallible. The cracks that you talk about, David, are huge chasms and divisions amongst the rich and poor, white and black, and discrimination against who we love. And the only way we can mend that is we have to stop talking Rainbow Nation, and we have to actually bring our diversity and inclusion together so that we can empower each other to be what we were meant to be. And that is great. And I'll say this, and this is what's important for each and every one of your listeners to understand. The common ground that we share is not in democracy. It's not with George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. I can't align myself to them. But what I can align myself with is to a God that is great. And I believe that we are made in his image. And if we are made in his image, that makes us great by nature. If we can share that greatness with one another, then we will see color because I can absolutely see a colorful rainbow nation in South Africa that together can be better when we are together as opposed to apart. Absolutely. And this is, this is my dream and my vision that, that one day we'll get there. But we need, I mean, you and I, we're almost, I would guess, of an age. You mentioned uh, in the 60s. I was, I was born in the 60s as well. Um, we're, we're pretty much, you know, let's be honest, a, a, a dying kind of breed in that sense. But the youth, the youngsters, these are the people that have got that potential. And the people that nurture them are educators. These are the people that we need to start talking to. And that is why I'm, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you and, and to hear what you've done uh, at the schools and the primary schools. What message do you give people there when you get to a school? The same message that I've just given you now. Hey? I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't work from a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. And our schools in South Africa have got the self-control right. I'll give them 100% credit for the self-discipline, the self-respect that they instill in their youth. And that's why it's easy for headmasters and uh, schools at, at, you know, in, in, in Bloemfontein, Great College, Paul Boys High, uh, these big institutions of, of over a, a, a century who say, you know, we are aligned to Warrior Rick because he speaks self-discipline and self-respect. But I go further than that. And the message that I want educators to get is that a lot of them have lost the passion. They've lost the passion for teaching. And a lot of that has been because of the pressure that parents have put on them uh, to become babysitters, that our children are spending more of their time uh, with foreigners, strange people, people that don't necessarily have the same uh, value system that perhaps the parents have. And the parents are expecting these teachers to do more than teach. And, and to a degree, the parents are right that the teachers have an obligation to do better than just have their children pass. Those, those, those teachers have got an obligation to create leaders. I tell uh, uh, schools, uh, especially educators all the time, that it's great to have matric pass rates you know, that reach 100%, but just because you've passed matric doesn't mean that you can't become a drug dealer or a prostitute or a criminal. It takes leadership and leadership development comes from an attention to uh, avoiding complacency, not being complicit 
um, with so-called leaders who are leading us astray. It takes using an educated mind that is critical, not just an educated mind that can pass exams. So the message that I give to the, to the learners supports what our institutions want, which is self-discipline and self-respect. But I go further to speak to the teachers and parents themselves that says, parents, stop dropping off your children um, and thinking that it's a crash, even when it's high school, packing their children, uh, children's pockets with tuck money and, and, and making sure that the, the after school uh, uh, classes are done and, and picking up their children at six o'clock. Uh, in the evening, we have got to get to a point where parents are more accountable and teachers step back into that passionate realm of wanting to do this, not for the money, not for the uh, uh, titles, but for the fact that they can build leaders in society that can overcome the challenges that we have uh, met with because of deceit, greed, and narcissism. Well, I mean, you know, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a rebel when it comes to the, the entire education system. And I've discussed this on the show before, because I'm one of those people that didn't learn in the traditional way. Um, that whole book learning thing for me was, I just, I couldn't do it. Okay. And it, it took me, uh, when? Last year? Yeah, probably last year. We, we finally figured out that, that I have ADD and, and a form of dyslexia. Um, and yet, at school, I was labelled as as difficult. I was labelled as a troublemaker, um, labelled as one of those kids least likely to succeed. And that's because our education system is still very, very stuck. I believe in the old days where where they were teaching people for the industrial revolution, critical thinking. You mentioned that, uh, Warrior Rick. How important is that? It's everything. We are to use in that discipline and in that respect, what essentially that equals is dignity. Uh, each one of our learners needs to be dignified. Uh, and as I mentioned, most schools get that right. But being critical means that you can question authority. But in self-discipline and self-respect, you have to know how to address that. And you'll find that because of cyberbullying, you were bullied, by the way, um, growing up, it just wasn't cyberbullying. You had teachers that bullied you with labels. Um, these names hurt. Uh, and mm -hmm. to say that you that you cannot exceed uh, and that you cannot uh, um, exceed your your challenges and you can't excel is bullying. It's all it is is superiority. It's saying that because I am stronger and you are weaker, I'm going to intimidate you to make you further uh, take you further into weakness as I become stronger. And and this is where we want the reform of schools to look at maintaining discipline and respect, but allowing our children to explore their minds and their imagination, which is God given, so that we might be able to be critical of ourselves as we are critical of others. How you communicate that criticism is what's important. We're now growing up in a society where we hide behind laptop screens and folks are commenting on critical issues and calling out, calling people names. And children are celebrating this. Look at what name he called that. And they're talking about adults. Look at how they referred to um, the president. Look how they referred to headmaster. Look how they referred to that's happening behind these lap screen, laptop screens is cowardice. And what we have to do is we have to give platforms and, 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 and opportunities, both live and virtual, that allows folks to speak their mind, to be critical, but take out the microaggressions. 
especially as men, David, we have an opportunity in a patriarchal society to speak to, to women and to girls um, and put them on an equal footing. You know, I've learned at a very young age that, you know, I, I, I grew up in a patri patriarchal society and we're still in a patriarchal society. So I'm still learning and unlearning uh, behaviors in terms of masculine toxicity. And, and what I find is, is that the simple way of looking at a, a, a young woman or a young lady, uh, you start with the name. You can't call her a girl. She's a young lady. She's a young woman. I mean, I've worked at Potch Girls High on, on several occasions, and I have such respect and, and fond respect for the, for, the, for the young ladies there and for the, for the women teachers and the few male teachers they have. And I oftentimes get caught up when I say Potch Girls High, and I say, but these are young ladies. These are young women. These are young adults. And I think we have to start you know, being more uh, deliberate in our speech and more deliberate in our communication. That means with every step we take, we're cautious. It's not about being political, politically correct and, and ticking boxes. It's about respect and equity. And I think that when we look at a reform of our schools, it starts with language because it doesn't matter whether you wanna be an engineer or a scientist or a sports uh, uh, person, it's language that will get you there. You have to be able to speak and to claim what you want and you have to be able to manage, negotiate and, and persuade folks about your talent by using language. Absolutely, a, a vital point. Let's move on a little bit because one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on is, is the pandemic because this, this pandemic hit, I still remember sitting here comfy in South Africa going, oh, well, that's a Chinese problem that it'll never come here. And before I knew it, it was here and it was here with a vengeance and it had crossed the world with a vengeance. This has put incredible pressure on, on our learners, um, on our educators. But I've sensed a silver lining in the midst of this pandemic is that to me, it seems we are becoming more human. And, and by becoming more human, I mean that we have shown incredible resilience. We've shown incredible empathy. Are those observations that, that you've also made? Without a doubt. Um, you know, now one year into the pandemic and, and, and where we were, uh, I think, over eager to get out of what we thought might have been a hoax or just a flu or maybe our president overreacting. I think we've calmed down now in terms of the measures that, that were taken in order to um, curb the virus and in order to uh, await information that we needed from medical experts and not um, Facebookers and, and politicians. And what's happened is, is that I think folks have realized that this is a pause, that it's not a lockdown, it's a slowdown. And I think in the beginning, we were just too in a hurry and there was too many, that's what caused stops and starts. My prayer is that in 2021, that as we adhere to uh, the medical professionals uh, and to leaders who listen to medical professionals, that will take heed to you know, uh, helping to prevent the spread of the virus and that the vaccine will, will continue to help uh, build herd immunity in South Africa and in, and in the world. And I think what you're sensing uh, is empathy. I think what we've seen now is the fact that people losing their jobs and having to take um, pay cuts, um, I've experienced it myself from the 15th of March after the last warrior race on the 14th of March, the, the president, Sir Ramaphosa came on air and said, um, there will be no more mass gatherings. Well, that's my business. My business was based on um, warrior races of thousands of people. 
uh, announcing at comrades and and working with uh, corporates in terms of workshops and bringing people together. None of that was online, but I had to consider how I would get through this. And as a warrior who welcomes challenges, I welcomed it. And I also see the silver lining. I believe the sun shines above the dark clouds. And because I kept that positive attitude, I started collaborating with folks who were able to navigate the pandemic. And it was through empathy, through giving, quite frankly, graciously giving what I had to those in need and listening to those who had, that I was able to find myself in spaces like this, on a podcast, working virtually, um, using technology to my advantage. The fourth industrial revolution was whisked in uh, last year very quickly. And those of us who were privileged enough to have data and electricity had no excuse but to try. Fail a lot, but try some more in order to, to get a bit of success. And I think what you're finding now is that many like you and me have found ways and means to navigate uh, the pandemic while helping those who are having a difficult time navigating in order to find our little success. And that success doesn't necessarily mean that it's a financial gain. Um, it certainly doesn't bring with it necessarily more titles, which for me are unnecessary, but it put us in a role and in a, in a space of leadership that says in our own boat, in this horrific storm, we can load it up with as many folks as possible. Um, we can connect to other boats to create a ship that will navigate us all to an extraordinary because the normal that we're navigating now is temporary. But what we have to look forward to, I believe, is the extraordinary. Absolutely. Wonderfully said. Rick, we, we, we're running out of time here, but uh, before I let you go, define a warrior for me because, you know, oftentimes you speak of a warrior and you, 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 you automatically go to a big, strong, physical, aggressive example of a male. But I believe strength is inner strength and it's a resolve and there is a gentleness to the true warrior nature. What is your take? A warrior, the warrior that I'm speaking about, you'll find in Ephesians. And it says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with principalities, with spiritual wickedness with leaders who lead us astray. That's what we fight with on a daily basis, David. The definition of a warrior, as we see in scripture in Ephesians, says to me that if I can take the opportunity, if I welcome the challenge to fight spiritual wickedness, that God will take care of my personal destination. That it's not about whether or not I am comfortable, but whether or not if I will have faith enough to allow God to steer my boat. And what I have found in living as a warrior is that it attracts other warriors. And you said it absolutely spot on, that it's not about physical size. It's not about strength. Uh, and it's not even about weakness, but it's about your faith in believing that you will overcome, that as we learn in the Bible, the first words that was uttered out of God's mouth is let there be light. He didn't clap the lights on. He didn't dance the lights on, but he spoke it. So when I call myself a warrior because my mother didn't give me that name, I gave that name to myself, that I'm telling myself every single day that this is enough, that I have enough, and that with what I have right here and, and with whatever God has given me, that I can overcome 
challenges for myself. And as I put those words into action, because faith plus work equals good success, that there will be others who will follow and believe with what they have and what they've been given right now today, that they too can make a difference and can make a change in their lives as they make a difference in other folks' lives. Wonderful stuff. Rick, two things before I let you go. If uh, somebody's listening and they'd like to get hold of you, how would they go about that? I would love for them to, you know, we talked earlier about the, the downsides of social media and how it's a, it's a, a weapon of mass distraction. Um, but I am a proponent of using social media to engage folks and to uh, put forward po positive messages. And that's what they'll find uh, on my uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. Um, they're, they're welcome to DM me as well if they've got a challenge or a problem. These are very difficult times. And as we navigate this, I would love to be uh, a help and a, and, a, and, a, and a person who can not only carry a word, but even a shoulder that they can lean on. Um, my name is Warrior Rick, and that's where you'll find me. W-A, not W-O, W-A-R-R-I-O-R-R-I-C. Uh, that's Facebook and Twitter. And in Instagram, it's The Warrior Rick. There we go. Wonderful stuff. And finally, in conclusion, Warrior Rick, what's next for you? I've been giving vitamin B injections of motivation for quite some time now. It's almost a decade. And if I look back in terms of uh, my destiny, I was doing it even as a child. Uh, but now I have been doing the, the heavy lifting of building curriculums, of, of finding you know, in these words, uh, packaging information uh, and videos and uh, of teamwork uh, activities that will do more than just give people a boost on the day. Because I believe that when your favorite song uh, fades out, when the clouds come and when Warrior Rick's gone and uh, hopefully I drop the mic right on purpose <laughs> that that folks will have to be self-motivated. They'll have to be self-disciplined and self-respect uh, of the, have self-respect for themselves. And that's not easy, David. So my work now is to leave something behind uh, more than just my words and myself and my energy, uh, because I believe those vitamin B injections still have folks catching the flu. But with a curriculum, um, that's my hope that teachers parents, students, that triumvirate will be able to take uh, the curriculum that I leave behind and work on it together, workshop it together, um, to do Zoom chats together. And I can be part of that facilitation process. I have a curriculum now called How to Be a Warrior During a Pandemic um, that works on these things of, uh, of self-gratitude. And it works on how to balance empathy with containment because you can't just always be empathetic and, and, and the softer side of, of building a warrior. You have to also get back in the ring and use fear and, and, and doubt and, and all these excuses to your advantage by fighting, by fighting harder, using goal setting and goal refinement and, and goal replacement uh, as part of this curriculum. And finally, taking grace and knowing that uh, you, you need to enjoy the journey and let God take care of the destination. And, you know, win and lose gracefully. Nelson Mandela says you can never lose. You can only win or learn. And in that last module of grace, I work on how to use grace uh, so that you can do exactly what um, our friend there in Toy Story told uh, Woody. You remember Buzz Lightyear? He said he's oh, flying. Yeah. 
Yeah, he said he's flying. And everyone said, no, you're not, you're falling. He says, I'm falling with style. And that's what's important about grace, to know that you still have style, you have goodwill, and you have the grace of God to keep going. So being a warrior during a pandemic is finding the silver lining. It is welcoming challenges, but it's also knowing that through empathy and through uh, getting back in the ring, that you'll do more than just be average or be normal. Passing matric is not good enough that you will be what God intended you to be, and that is great. You will be extraordinary. Wonderful stuff, and what a great note to wrap it up on. Warrior Rick, thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, having a chat to us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, and I do encourage you uh, to, you know, reach out to Rick and uh, have a chat to him. It's uh, at Warrior Rick, W-A-R-R-I-O. R R I C. So Warrior Rick, uh, that's on Twitter, on Facebook as well. Um, Warrior Rick, once again, thank you so much and all the very best to you going forward. God bless you, David, and to all of the educators, teachers, parents, students listening out here. I'm supporting you in spirit. And if you ever need me uh, virtually or in person, please reach out to me and I would love to be a part of your community uh, to build a better South Africa. There we go. That's Warrior Rick. And it wraps up the education show for this edition. Uh, we'll chat to you again very, very soon. Until then, take care, look after yourselves, and thank you for listening. That was the education show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A.net.